tiger bigger. Not really sure how to spell the tiger bigger. Several striking similarities. In this story, there are two girls who are sisters. When the girl's mother goes out, the tiger comes to the girl's house. It pretends to be their aunt. Asking them to come in, one girl says that the aunt's voice does not sound right. So the tiger attempts to disguise her voice. Then the girl says that the aunt's hands feel too coarse. So the tiger attempts to make her paws move her. When finally the tiger gains entry, she keeps the girl's sister's hand. Thanks. The girls come up with a rude test. Go outside and fetch some food for her aunt. Grand Aunt Tiger suspected the, of the girl tied a rope to her leg. The girl ties a bucket of rope to the floor. But Grand Aunt Tiger releases this and chases after them. Whereupon she climbs into a tree, the girls tell the tiger that she will let her eat her. But first, she would like to give her some fruit from the tree. The tiger comes closer to and the fruit, whereupon the girl pours boiling hot oil down her throat, killing her. Okay, according to all a similar narrative is found in East Asia stories, namely in China, Korea, and Japan, with the title The Tiger and the Children. The origins of Little Red Riding Hood story can be traced to several likely pre 17th century versions. Various European countries. Some of these are specifically different from the current known Grimm's inspired version. It was told by a French person in the 10th century and recorded by the Channel Scholar Master Egbert in Italy. Low Red Riding Hood was told by a person in the 4th century, where a number of other versions exist, including Lee Saint Nana, the false god. Written among five Italy in Italian folklore collection. It has also been called the story of grandmother. It is also possible that this early tale has roots in very similar Eastern Asian tales. These early varieties of the tale do differ from the current known versions in several ways. The antagonist is not always a wolf, but sometimes a Werewolf making the tale relevant to the werewolf trail of the time. The wolf usually leaves the grandmother's blood and flesh for the girl to eat, who then unwillingly cannibalizes her own grandmother. Furthermore, the wolf, also known to her, known to ask her to remove her clothes and toss it into the fire. In some versions, the wolf eats the girl after she gets into bed with him, and the story ends there. In others, she sees through his disguise and tries to escape, complaining to her grandmother that she needs to be decoded and would not wish to do so in the bed. The wolf recounts lets her go, tried to a piece of string so she does not get away. The girl's flips the string over something else, and rushes off. In these stories, she escapes with no help from any male or older female figure. It said using her own cunning, or in some versions, the help of a younger boy, who she happens to run into sometimes through more 
rarely that redwood is non-existent. In other tellings, the story of the wolf chases after Love Red Riding Hood. She escapes with the help of Laundrius, who spreads a sheet over a river so she may escape, and when the wolf follows Red over the bridge with the claw, the sheet is released and the wolf drowns in the river. And in another version, the wolf pushed into the fire while he is preparing the flesh of the grandmother to be eaten by the girl. I'm a little too bad right now. The earliest known print version was known as Le Petit Charpin Rug and may have been its origins in the 17th century French folklore. It was included in the collection Tales and Stories of the Past with Mollus Tales of Mother Goose. Charles, as a title implies, this version is both more sinister and more overly moralized than the later one. The redness of the hood, which has been given symbolic significance in many interpretations of the tale, is a detail instructed by Carl. The story has a the story has as its subject an attractive, well-bred young lady, a village girl of the country, being deceived into giving a wolf she encountered the information he needed to find her grandmother's house successfully, and eat the old woman while at the same time avoiding being noticed by the woodcutter working in the nearby forest. Then he proceeds to lay a trap for Riddle Red Riding. Little Red Riding Hood ends up being asked to climb into the bed before being eaten by the wolf. Where the story ends, the wolf emerges the victor of the encounter, and there is no happy ending. Charles explained the moral at the end of the tale so that no doubt is left to his intending meaning. For this story, one learns that children, especially young, lasses, pretty, curious, well-bred, do very wrong to listen to sheep. And it is not an unheard thing that the wolf is thereby provided with his dinner. I say wolf for all wolves are not of the same sort. There is one kind of disposition, neither nosy nor hateful nor angry, but the same objectively and generally following the young maiden in the streets, even into their house. Also, who does not know these gentle wolves are of all such creatures the most dangerous? This, the presumed original version of the tale, was written by the late 17th century French of the King Louis XIV. This audience, whom the king entertained the parties, would take from the story's intended meaning. In the 19th century, two separate German versions were told, retold to Jacob Grimm and his younger brother, Wilhelm Grimm, known as the Brothers Grimm. The first by Jeanette Hostenthal, I am not sure if I said that right, 1791 to 1860, and the second by Maria, 1788 to 1850. The brothers turned the first version to the 
main body of the story and the second and third sequel of it. The story as Rectic Taxation was included in the first edition of the collection Kinder the Children. <gasps> Excuse me. The Children's Household Tales. The earliest part of the tale agrees so closely with Hermit Benton that it almost certainly the source of the tale. This version ends with the girl and her grandmother saved by a hunter who was after the wolf skin. This ending mirrors that in the tale, the wolf missed seven young kids, which appears to be the source. The second part features the girl and her grandmother trapping and killing another wolf, this anticipating his new fate and other experience. With the previous one, the girl did not leave the path when the wolf spoke to her. Her grandmother locked the door to keep it out, and when the wolf roared, the grandmother had Little Red Riding Hood put it. River under the chimney and filled it with water that Foster had been cooking. The smell lowered the wolf down and it drowned. The brothers further revised the story in later editions and it reached the above mentioned final and better known version in the 1857 edition of their work. It is notably seemingly than the old story, which contains darker themes. Numerous authors have decided not to join the normal book. Have rewritten the adaptation of Charles Manor in this version of the tale called The True History of the Little Golden Hood gives the girl a real name. Blanche? B-L-A-N-C-H-E-T-T-E. Andrew Long included a variety called the True history of Little Golden Girl in the Red Fairy Book. He deserved it from the works of Charles. In context of Charles's version, especially states that the story had been mistold earlier. The girl is saved, but not by the hunter. When the wolf tries to eat her, its mouth is burned by the golden hood she wears, which is enchanted. James N. Baker wrote a version of Little Red Riding. 1827 as an approximately 1,000 word story. It was later reprinted in 1858 in a book of collection stories edited by William E. Burden called The Calliope of Wit and Humor. The reprint also featured a wooden engrave of a cloth wolf in a bed and weeds holding the little red riding hood. 20th century, the population of the tale appeared to snowball, with many new versions being written and produced, especially in the wake of analysts. This trend also led to a number of texts being written about Little Red Riding Hood herself. Hope you all have a great and wonderful day.
y'all enjoying my podcast and you enjoy this ad break slash sponsor. Okay, so also my thoughts on season two are going to be all over the place after I learned I had an intellectual disability and I haven't seen it since. I'll have to rewatch it, but I think, I don't know if they would have put me in there once they heard that I had a high functioning learning disability and ADHD and decalculia. But yeah, season two is definitely hits different when you realize it could have been you back in the day. Like, they would just put anyone in there, and what they did to poor Pepper, I think that was her name. Aye, aye, aye. Anyway, Shuffling like Constance did not express such sentiment, and now Larry is healed. We think that he, that when he was removing audiences from Travis's murder, he was planning on planting it in Constance's house for cops to find later. Do you just tell them to look in the backyard? You might be able to tell them, like, yeah, look in the backyard when she's not there. You'll find stuff. Because, yeah, there's a reason. Ben successfully unmasked Rubberman after a brutal fight, but Tate had dragged him until he passed out, so he didn't know how Ben exactly is taking the news. Probably not well. Is currently about to hit the fan. Plus, someone else has disappeared in the house. So, will the missing person detective come back again to investigate Ben? But on the outside, Ben finally believes his wife was um, assaulted and not cheated on him. So, he's working to get her out of the mental institution so she can come back home. Of course, when she comes home, she have to deal with her daughter being dead. Her dead daughter's ghost boyfriend furthering her demon baby in a house full of ghosts that won't stop popping up. Actually, Vivian, maybe maybe you want to just stay in the hospital. I would at that point, wouldn't you? Yeah, no. American Horror Story Murder House kicked off the popular horror show by demonstrating how exact excellent twists like the death of Violet could be seated for episodes before the truth is revealed. Yeah, the plot twists were actually pretty decent when I first watched it. I was, I was actually like, oh, damn, I was not expecting her to be dead. Like, I wasn't even putting together she was dead. I was putting together the fact that, oh, I know some of these are from real cases that I've heard about. And then I'm like, oh, it makes sense now. She never really survived what she did. And I'm like, oh, okay. But the twist was good. The first season of American Horror Story sees the Harmon family moving into a haunted murder house, unaware of the chaos that will sue. While Murphy's first season of long-running horror mythology was care- careful not to show all the cards regarding which characters were living and which were dead, some deaths were more surprising than others. Violet's death was certainly one of the most shocking. But there were multiple clues that foreshadowed her death long before her body was ultimately discovered. Ew. Just decaying body gross. Episode 8, Rubberman reveals that since attempting, uh, Violet has gone to, not gone to school. Two episodes later, her absence from school becomes so severe, truancy officers get involved. The show clearly masquerade her death and physical 
ability to leave the house beneath sympathy of depression that Violet was already presenting. At a family dinner in episode 7, Open House, her father points out that her refusal to eat is a textbook sign of depression. Tate, one of the few people to know Violet is dead, acts much more protectively between episode 6 and 10 to keep her from discovering the truth. When Vivian packs Violet into a car and tries to run away, Tate looks on with distress, aware Violet cannot leave. In episode 7, Tate is angry with Violet for continuing to self-harm and discusses it a far cry from his initial reaction. He now understands the shock of what he is dealing with. Between episode 6 and 10, the Harmon House becomes infused with blow flies. These insects often symbolize death due to the way they flock to corpse. The flies get worse and worse as Violet's body begins to decompose. The exterminator Ben eventually hires, finds the source of the flies, and begins panicking, foretelling there is something terrible waiting in the crawl space. Tate kills him, which can... How many people does this dude kill, though? Okay, by underst be understood as a way of protecting Violet. The way the camera cuts in the scene also has a foreshadowing function. The scene shifts from Tate murdering to a picture of Violet that her father keeps on his desk with Ben discussing Violet's school situation in the background. At the start of the episode, Seven Tate asks Violet if she believes in ghosts to her. The question comes out of left field. Prompting a confused and diffused response, it could be understood as a gentle pro to face a future more difficult conversation. In episode 8, Tate has a conversation with Hayden, where they mysteriously discuss a difficult thing he has to do for Violet's sake. Tate refuses refers to his need to prepare himself while it might seem like he is planning on murdering Violet himself. Yeah, that's what I asked. Was like, is he gonna murder her? He is really emotional, preparing to reveal the truth. At one point, he tells Violet that she can now see ghosts because she is evolved. Many of these conversations work naturally both with and without context of Violet's death which provides American Horror Story great skill in carefully weaving plot with foreshadowing. See, I actually agree with some of that, so that's why I kept it in there. American Horror Story Season 1, Episode 2. Home Invasion begins with flashback in 1968. A murderess stabs two nurse students to death. This takes inspiration from a 1966 case in which Richard broke into a student nurse in Chicago and murdered eight young women. Tate's school shooting also has real-life ties into Halloween Part 2, a ghostly group of murderer high schools, whereas asked Tate why he targeted shops. Everything's to call by both Eric and one of the real shooters, and Tate asked one of the victims if she believes in God before killing her. That actually happened in Columbine. And I believe the girl literally has a book and a movie based on that. Episode 9, Spooky Little Girl, directly portrays...
one of the most famous LA murders to date, the Black Dahlia murder, Elizabeth Shirt is murdered, mutilated and disposed of to be discovered by a mother and a young daughter, both in real life and in the show. Short's body is initially mistaken as a store mannequin. That really did happen, and I talked about that case as well. You can check out my other podcast, or you can check out my Patreon, where I discuss these things. Because, yeah, that's definitely a case I've talked about. It's fascinating. It has maybe some issues with certain things back in the day. The house of American Horror House draws on several of the most famous murder houses in America. In the show, it is home to an evil doctor, location of several murdering suicides, linking it to 2475 Glendo Place, where in Collagers Harlan personal murders his wife, Lillian, the attempt to kill his teenage daughter. Like Larry, his wife, the doctor, then took his own life. Uh, Murder House also takes inspiration from one of the most famous houses in the United States history, the A-M-I-T-Y-V-I-L-E, Antiville, Antiville, I've seen both movies, or all of them, I've seen every single one they could find. Like in the show, the Antiville Manor was a house stepped in evil. In 1974, it was the scene of a brutal murder by 23-year-old Ronald J. Defoe Jr., who shot his parents and four siblings as they slept. Like the Harmons, the Lotz family was later able to buy the house cheap, but horror continued to plague the location. Unlike the Harmons, the Lotz family was able to leave after a mere 28 days, according to them, the house was infused by a supernatural spirit. Yeah, I would live too if I was them. Happy like this place is haunted. Let's get out of here. Did you not just see what just happened? I'd be like, let's run for the hills. If I had the money to move that day, I'd be like, let's go, let's go. Let's get out. Or not even at that point. I'd be like, let's just find an apartment. See if we could stay with someone until we get a place. Go to a hotel, anything, motel, anything at that point. Because I'd be like, nope, I'm done. Unless I was there to like, like, investigate. Nope, I'm out. <laughs> I ain't trying to dive into a ghost or demon or ghost demon. No, thank you. The Franklin House, also owned by a doctor, completed the traffic of Lambert's location in the 1940s. Dr. George Hadell. Oh boy, that man. I don't know if what they say about him is true, but what I've heard about him, yikes. He ain't no good. A violent man, Dr. Hadell was known for beating his son badly. After he died, his sons even discussed a picture of a brunette while going through his belongings that he was becoming convinced was Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia. Like many of the scariest horror movies, the tale of the dead and violent portrayed within American Horror Story Murderhouse do not even end at the scene. Even the Ransom's Mansion, the real-life location that served as the show's murderhouse, is now supposedly haunted. Much of this series' long-standing success comes from its ability to blend the supernatural and creativity with the horrificality of real. So, here's the thing. 
Also, if you want to have a bunch of... I actually heard that the people who bought the house didn't realize it was part of the show. And they're like, we have so many people coming to our house. What is going on? And then they realize it was, bought, like, it was part of a show. And they're like, oh, great. Or some people buy like a house and they don't realize they use it as like the intro clip. And they're like, now we have a bunch of people just coming up to our house. Or it's like the... It's not even like the real house. It's like the photo you see before they get into the house. And it's like, oh, so like... No. Or you buy the house and then you're like, oh, it was on a show. Sometimes you don't know it was on a show. The Charm House, the people had to move, I think, from what I heard, because people kept stopping by every five seconds to take photos and trespassing, and I'm like, yeah. It's the only problem if you have like a house that was on a show, movie. You get too many people trespassing on your property. And some people like it, and other people are like, no, I don't like that. I don't like this attention. It is creeping me out. Okay, so I hope we all have a great and wonderful week, and I hope we all learned something from this, because some of this is based on real stuff, and some of it's not, so it's a mixture. The show is good. If you have not seen American Horror Story Murder House, you could check it out. If you're younger, ask a parent or guardian's permission, because I'm not going to get into trouble for that. But if you're old enough, go watch it. It's a decent show. It's a little disturbing, though. So if you don't like scary things, maybe watch it with someone else. Have a great week. Let's see if we have an ad break for today. Our sponsor. Ad break. Ad break. Ad break. Ad break. Sponsor. 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 And before we go to ad breaks or sponsors, let's give a little bit of a... Okay, let's continue with the book. Going to buy flowers for a friend. Flowers didn't always exist. The f they first appeared 40 million years ago. Ah, my initials. Before that, ferns and cone-bearing trees dominated the earth. Pancakes loves to help her mother in the flower shop. Peaches jumps rope and wins money doing so. Tulips were more vibrant, were more valuable than gold. Broccoli is actually a flower. Carnivious plants are flower plants that bugs and small 
animals get eaten by a thing? Well, that was close. Sorry, I lost my place. Not all flowers smell good. Snapdragon flowers look like a little mouse. Money plant has purple flowers that turn into silver paper, quarter-shaped seed pods that can be used like play money or jewelry. False dragon head or orbit plant has a spike full of flowers that can be bet to position. Hollyhocks, hocks, H-O-C-K-S, are fun flowers for kids. They have large, beautiful flowers that could be made into dolls. Press and dry flowers and make crafts. The pounds crafts this weekend was a crown flower. Each week the pounds have flower crafts. Flowers that can be, be flattened are violets. Some flowers can be eaten. The biggest flower in the world is also the smallest flower. don't get the huge blockbusters, and some don't get the films they want. Relax and find another theater playing what you want to see. Unless you want to see an old film and you don't feel like, like going somewhere else, but look it up before you go. It'll be helpful. Unless you really didn't spare the moment, that's a little different. It's still a good idea to show up on time to avoid getting in anyone's way if you're trying to find a seat. See, Unless it has already arranged seating, it is a good idea. But some theaters you have, like, they have already, like, seats arrangements. Arrangements? I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Okay. 
Keep in mind that not all the employees get to do this. Oh wait. Do 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 do. Basically, be courteous and you'll get served. Otherwise, they might tell you to hit the brakes. Keep in mind, not all employees get to do this. This kind of perk would be great if it happened all the time, but chances are most employees will see a few minutes at a time of any given movie since they have to be in and out to check on people. Unless you're the person who I think does the projector and then you just get to see the same movie over and over again, which has to be annoying. I'm not really sure how that works. Like one time I asked the person if they've seen any other movie. Like I've seen this like six times all the way through and I'm like, yeah, I bet. They're like, yeah, it's annoying after a while. They're like, it's a great movie. It's just the same thing over and again. Leaders have a lot of tickets to up their sales and make as much as they can on everything they have to offer. I guess it depends on the movie theater and what movie you want to see. <laughs> I think I've been to movies where they have been sold out because the movie was so like well received. And then I've been to movies where I and the person I was with, that was it. There's no one else there. It was super weird and creepy. A movie theater or movie theater is a place where movies are shown on a big... <sighs> the first theater, yeah, okay. I feel like it copied, like I was doing notes and it recopied. No one person in cinema, however, in the 1890s, the Edison, okay. Okay. No one person invented cinema. However, in 1891, the Edison Company successfully demonstrated a prototype of the counterscope, which enabled one person at a time to view moving pictures. The first public kinescope demonstration took place in 1893. By 1894, the kinescope was a commercial success for public Polaroid establishment around the world. The first to present projecting movie pictures to pay audience where the Lermer Brothers, L-U-I-E-R-E -E Brothers in December, 1895 in Paris, France. Ooh, wah, wah. Ooh, oui, oui, Paris. Yes, yes, Paris. They used <laughs> bonjour. They used a device of their own, making the cinematography, which was a camera, a projector, and a film printer, all in one. By 1914, several national film industries were established. At this time, Europe. Russia and Scandinavia were the dominant industry. America was much less important. Films became larger and storytelling. Our native became the dominant form. As more people paid to see movies, the industry, which grew around them, was prepared to invest more money in their production, distributing and exhibitions so larger studios were established and dedicated cinemas built. The First World War greatly affected the film industry in Europe and the American industry grew relatively important. The first 30 years of cinema were characterized by the growth and contestation of an industrial base. The establishment of the narrative form and reference of technology. Color 
was first started. Oh no. Okay, I don't you. And we're back. Color was first added to black and white. Movies through hand coloring, tinning, tonguing, and stretching. By 1906, the principles of color separation were used to produce so-called natural color, color moving images with the British Camel color process first presented to the public in 1909. K I E M A C O L O R is primarily used for documentary or accurate films such as the epic with our king and the queen through India, also known as the, I'm not sure, the Della de Burr of 1912, which ran for over two hours in total. The early technicolor process from 1915 onward were cumbersome and expensive, and the color was not used more widely until the industry introduction of its three-color process in 1932. It was used for films such as Gone with the Wind and The Wizard of Oz, both in 1939, and Hollywood and Matter of Life and Death, 1946 in the UK. The first attempt to add synchronized sound to project picture used photographic cylinders or discs, the first feature-like movie indicator synchronized the jazz singer used the Warner Brothers vintage phone system which employed a separate record disc with each reel of film for the sound. This system provides unreliable, oh, was proven unreliable and was soon replaced by an optional Herbal dense soundtrack recorded photographically along the edge of the film developed originally for a new release such as movie tone. By the early 1930s, nearly a f- all future length movies were presented with synchronized sound, and by the mid 1930s, some were in full color too. The ad vent of sound secured the dominant role of American industry and gave rise to the so-called golden age of Hollywood. During the 1930s and the 1940s, cinema was the principal form of popular entertainment, with people often attending cinemas twice a week, Orient Super Cinema or Picture Palace offering extra facilities such as cafes and ballrooms came to town and cities. Many of them could hold over 30,000 people in a single auditorium. In Britain, the highest attendance occurred in 1946 with over 31 million visitors to the cinema each week. That's a lot of visitors. Thomas Edison had used pre-fathom 35mm film in the kinetic scope, and in 1909, this was adapted as the worldwide industry standard. 
The picture had a width-to-height relationship known as the aspect radio of 4-3 or 1.33 dot dot 1 point. The first number refers to the width of the screen and the second to the height. So for example, for every 40 centimeters in width, there will be 3 in height. With the advent of optical sound, the aspect radiant was objected to 1.371. This is known as the Academy Radiant as it was officially approved by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Science, the Oscar people in 1932. Although there were many experiments with other formats, there were no major changes in screen radiates until the 1950s. The, the introduction of television in America prompted a number of technical experiments designed to maintain public interest in cinema. In 1952, the cinema process using three projectors and a wide, deeply curved screen together with multiple tracks surround, surrounded sound was preeminent and it was a very large aspect rating of 2.59.1, dot, 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 giving audiences a greater sense of immersion and proven extremely popular. Jeez. However, cinema was technically complex and therefore expensive to produce and show. Widescreen cinema was not widely adapted by the industry until the invention of Cinema Scope in 1953 and Todd A.O. in 1955. Both processes using single projectors in their precession. CinemaScope square images of 35mm film, when projected, they were expanded literally by the projector lens to fit the screen. Todd Ayo used films with a width of 70mm. By the end of the 1950s, these inventions had effectively changed the shape of the cinema screen, with aspect ratio of either 2.35.1 or 1.66.1 becoming standard. Stereo sound, which had been all been experimented with in the 1940s, also became part of the new widescreen experience. Specialist large screen system using 70 mm film were also developed. The most successful of these had been IMAX, which, as of 2020, has been over 1,500 screens around the world. For many years, IMAX cinema have shown films specially made in its unique 2D or 3D format, but the more recent, they have shown popular mainstream feature films, which have been digitally remastered in IMAX format, often with addition screens or 3D effects. I think I've been to an IMAX a couple of times. While cinema has some success in filming, the competition of television never regained the position and influence they held 
in the 1930s and 40s, and over the next 30 years, audiences dwindled. By 1984, cinema attendance in Britain had declined. By the late 2000s, however, the numbers had troubled, troubled, T-R-E-B-L-E-D. The first British multiplex was built in Milton, Kansas in 1985, sparking a boom out of town multiplex cinema. Today, most people see films on television, whether tessels or subscription videos or on-demand services. Yeah, I watch them all the time like that. Streaming film current on computers, tablets, mobile phones is becoming more and more common as it proves to be more convenient for modern audiences and lifestyles. Although America, the USA, the United States of America, which is where I live, still appears to be the most influent film industry, the reality is more complex. Many films are produced internationally, either made in various countries or financed by multi companies that have interest across a range of media. And now we're all winding down. I hope you all enjoyed my podcast about movies, TV shows, books, and games. And I hope you all have a great and wonderful week and weekend. If you want to hear more of me, I do have other podcasts as well on ACAST, so you can check those out. And I also have a kids podcast as well, called Gummy Bears Podcast Land, that if you want to hear more of me during the weekend, you can. But I hope you all have a great, wonderful week, and I hope you all enjoy this, and I just tell you my opinion, facts about the show, hopefully we could agree to disagree, or you could give me your opinion, I could take it into consideration, you could take mine into consideration. And I really do enjoy doing this, you guys are my fans, and I love you, and you guys are so wonderful social butterflies, and you're so generally a great and wonderful butterfly gem. I hope you all have a great and wonderful sloppy day. And... Don't forget to check out my other stuff. I do have a YouTube channel as well, which is named which is named I just the Susanna May O'Hagan Sweetie M Uniquely Sloths. And I will give you a little bit of facts. Um, Sloths only go to the bathroom once a week on the ground. That is it. Just a fun fact, a little bit about sloths that I thought you might enjoy. Okay, over and out. Bye for now. Love my uniquely gem butterflies. Fly off and enjoy. Bye for now.